The playoffs are heating up, and there's no better place than to sit back and unwind than Gators Dockside. Gators Dockside has happy hour specials on mixed and well drinks, as well as shot specials, 60 cent wings, all you can eat wings, and draft beers. They even have beers from local breweries. Get yourself over to Gators Dockside, one nearest you, and mostly if you're in the Central Florida area, let them know that you're a Halloween Unleashed listener and you thank them for being a sponsor on this podcast. For any special effects artist that is looking for a better way, more economical way for your casting projects, I suggest that you look up, if you haven't already, Specialty Resin and Chemical for all of your molding needs. Specialty Resin and Chemical is the best kept secret on the planet. Maybe not so much after this ad, but their prices simply cannot be beat. Their shipping is quick, painless, easy, and very, very affordable. So make sure that you go to SpecialtyResin.com and let them know that you appreciate them being a sponsor on the Halloween Unleashed podcast. This is the Halloween Unleashed podcast featuring the cutting room floor. And now here are your hosts for the week. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Halloween Unleashed. I am Dylan Cloud, joined today by the man, the myth, the legend, Chris Morgan. How goes it, Chris? You forgot the crybaby, too. Crybaby. Well, wait, wait, that's just understood. You know, I don't want to be redundant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything's good, man. Um, uh, appreciate you jumping on. Brandon was going to do this with us. We were going to do uh, a trio, but uh, apparently... Uh, he couldn't get it up for round two, so unfortunately it's just us two tonight, but, you know, we've done some really cool episodes before, like that season uh, finale, so I think we'll fare just fine. I think Zach may need some head and shoulders to get rid of all the flakiness. Well, considering, you know, he has all these uh, mysterious people that he can get on the podcast, maybe he can hook up with head and shoulders and get us another sponsorship. Right? Someone's got to pay the bills here. So uh, before we jump on today's topic, man, um, I've had nothing but positive PMs. Um, and of course, you know we we saw a few people that that, that put it out publicly, but overwhelmingly, uh, my inbox on Twitter and on um, on my Facebook was overwhelmingly positive. Like, miss the show, man. You got you three are a riot when you get to get together I laugh so many times you know you name it man it just like it just kept coming in over and over and over again um did you happen to get any feedback and what did you think because you know you you heard me building it up with you and Zachman saying hey I just got through it man I was laughing my ass off and um you finally got to hear it I'm assuming at this point um what did you hear and what did you think I did listen to it, and like I said in the show, I don't like to listen to myself, but um, I've gotten nothing but positive feedback about the episode. Uh, I, I'm my own worst critic. I, I didn't think I did that well, but you know, I haven't heard, other than that one cocksucker who hate watches the show, uh, fucking nothing but positive. Everyone's said we were funny, and they're glad the show's back. You know, they got through, you know, I, like you said, overwhelmingly positive in that, in that you know, Warmed my cold, icy heart. Absolutely. A little Frozen reference? A little bit. A little bit. Saw Frozen 2 recently. It's pretty good. Pretty Absolutely. Good. We did too. And uh, I, I wanted to, you know, we didn't say this last week because we didn't have it done at the time that we recorded it. But I think it's then now's as good as time as any. Is that was the one thing that was important to me is like people that bought shirts or, you know, that supported the show. Um, through through the Anchor app, the one thing I, I wanted to do is I always like to show people where their money is going and to say, hey, it's not going in, going into my pockets, being reinvested back into the show. Well, because you know people did invest in um, the apparel, into the um, um, in, in, into the app, into to become subscribers and et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
that it made all that stuff possible, you know, so it did get reinvested back into the show. Uh, I do want to throw a shout out to the guy who did the intro and the outro to Mike. Uh, Mike listens to the show, good friend of the show. And um, I think he did a fantastic job and he really wanted to push uh, where people could find uh, your, your podcast, your video version, wanted to start pushing people towards um, the Facebook page. So definitely want to give a huge thank you to him for sure. Oh, no, it was an outstanding intro and outro, and, and I, I don't think it could have came out any better. You know, we kind of gave him free reign on that, and he knocked it out of the park. As we're recording this, I just think that this needs to be said, and we don't gloss over it. Sorry, I didn't mean to switch gears here, but, um, you know, what was it, uh, 32 hours after the episode went live, or whatever it is, 36 hours, uh, the season two premiere, um, 800 downloads. That's not bad. No, not bad at all for being off for eight weeks and coming back. And, you know, that's why I said on that episode, um, if you're judging the success of the show based on the Facebook group, you are highly mistaken. So in regards to the Facebook group, anyone who listens to the show who would like, you know, regular updates who, you know, would like to know what we do in between our hiatuses, see upcoming news. I highly suggest you get on the Facebook group because that's where all the news comes up weeks before, you know, we jump on here and you kind of just waiting in purgatory for an episode. So like, you know, 800 downloads is only 360 people in the group. So there's definitely more listeners. So just, you know, get in the Facebook group, send a request, you know, listeners of the show will get you in there that we can keep up to date with everything we're doing in between. All right, so today we're going to talk about the Genesis. We're starting off the WMP series with a bang. Um, now, I am, unlike Zach, and don't know a whole lot about this, so I'm going to rely heavily on you given that you created it. Um, <laughs> this is – so you started WMP, what was it, 2011? Um, uh, officially full-time 2010, um, the 2009 Halloween season is when I was making the untamed and the first version of the reigning red. When, what year did the Genesis come to be? Uh, 2013. It was, um, I started it in August of 13. Um, the version one that is, uh, two months before my son was born. Where did the name Genesis come from? Oh, um, I knew that. I saw that question asked, and I, I'll be honest, I don't even know. I, I think, you know, when you think of Genesis, Genesis anything, you think of the start of something or the birth of something. And, you know, I, I guess I guess in my head, um, and keep in mind, Marcus Jones worked for me, worked for me at that time. So he and I were always bouncing ideas, and I, I, I don't want to take credit for the name. Um, I could have suggested it. I don't know. But I know that Marcus and I spent six to seven hours in that workshop together every day, five days a week. Um, and a lot of times we would come up with just really cool, creative ideas. And it could have been a collaboration of the two of us. Um or it could have been him, or it could have been me, but uh, I know that definitely looking back when the process was rolling, I know that my thought process around Genesis was like, if you think about Genesis and you think about the original 75 Shatner, it was the the birth, the genesis of what we all know as Michael Myers today. You know, so... That was kind of my thought process of why it made sense, but as far as who came up with the name, I it could have been me, it could have been Marcus, it could have been a collaboration of the two of us. I don't know. And, and before I forget, Mike Lampkin asked those questions, so give him his shout out and thank you for sending that in. Great question, um, Mike. How did what did the Genesis originate from anything, or was that completely ground up? No, it started. Um, and I, I I know I mentioned this on the lineage episode. I know we're gonna kind of cross-contaminate here, but that's okay. Um, any, if anybody wants a more detailed version, um, you can watch that that uh, that episode on YouTube, um, or you can listen to it in the archives um, here. 
it's the lineage chart part one. Um, but I bought when, um, Don Post Studios went out of business and they were liquidating all their molds through PMG and all that stuff. Uh, Paper Magic Group. <clears throat> I was able, I was lucky enough, fortunate enough to pick up the original uh, two-piece mother mold of the 98-99 Shatner. Now, what I didn't know at the time is I did not know that it didn't come with quote-unquote pr producing rights. Now, over the years... Everybody that bought a liquidated mold is doing something of some form with them. Um, again, it's the independent market. You know, you're not going to stop somebody from doing something, but because everything, it, people got to understand what 2012, 2013, and even into 2014 was like. You guys got to see a glimpse of it last year when the 2018 movie came out, how strict everything was from a corporate standpoint. I think you know where I'm going with that. Um, if you saw how strict that was out in the open and you kind of knew black and white what you could and could not do, it. imagine taking that, that paranoia, that stress, that, that fear – and going back in time, still having that same fear, but then also having the fear of the unknown because the book hadn't been written yet. All that stuff was brand new when it came to, okay, now we have a corporate entity involved here. Um, what are, what can I do? What can I do? Who am I going to piss off? Who am I going to hear from next, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, that was a constant fear for everybody. Um, so with the 9899 Shatner, I knew that it had been produced before, um, either through reproductions or through, uh, recasts or retools of it, but <clears throat> it was never blatantly put out there that, Hey, I own the, the master mold and now I can produce them. N nobody had ever been able to claim that. Um, I was the first one. So me being able to grab that mold and WMP at the time was on the brinks of collapse, but it was still a very, very popular and well-known entity uh, within the community. So the fact that I bought it, I mean, all eyes were on me. So the, la the last thing I wanted to do was shine any more light on me than I needed. So we had just come out with the JTK like the like the year before. Earlier that year, we came out with H35. We introduced our new mask, which was the V75, uh, which we'll cover in a long form at some point. But <clears throat> what ended up happening was, um, is the way I look at it is, it's like, okay, I understand, I understand the logic of what people say. As far as, well, you should sculpt something ground up. If you don't do that, then you're not a true artist. I, I get the argument. If we were sculpting original forms, original characters, original things, blah, 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 blah. I get that. But for everybody that is in the replica business, what is the number one goal for a collector? You're a collector, so you, I'll let you answer that question. As screen accurate as possible. Right. So if that's the case, and you have a base sculpture that is already accurate, why do you need to sculpt it from the ground up so you can have some egotistical pissing contest with somebody else in the hobby who's still not going to respect you or like you no matter what you do? That, well, that just leads me to think two things. One, I have a question about the Shatner. You, you say you bought the Master. Um, were, were you the first to get it? Because I know there are other people who own molds. Are, are, are you the original sole owner of that? And also, when you buy a mold, I mean, what the fuck would be the point of them selling a mold if not selling the rights to produce it? Collection. That, that, that's really all it was. Um, but, yeah, so let let me finish this and I'll definitely answer that. Um, 
So when when I got started on the on the Genesis, I'm like, okay, well, if I can't produce a 9899, maybe I can retool it. And at at the time, I was going to <clears throat> I was going to ask Luke to do it, but Luke was at a point where he was out. He didn't want anything to do with Kirk or anything like that anymore. Um, Amy was busy. Uh, Amy was someone who worked on the Wicked Red and a couple other things for me, Legendary 75. And she even did the Genesis V3, which is a funny story how it all finally came full circle. But she had a friend that had been wanting to work with me for a little while, was a portrait sculptor, did some stuff for Flagler College in St. Augustine, uh, life sculptures of uh, of Flagler himself. Um, I saw a project he was doing in his workshop that was six foot tall of nothing but Chavant clay from head to toe. I mean, it was immaculate. I still have pictures of it somewhere. I just got to find it. But, you know, he wanted to work with me. And, and, you know, at the time I was friends. You've heard me mention him before. Frankie Spradlin said, hey, if you ever want to get just a nailed down accurate Kirk, you need to get yourself a portrait sculptor. Well, this guy was a portrait sculptor and he he was wanting to work with me. Um, so I started the Genesis V1 myself cause I'm like, ah, I can do this cause I had just done the ghost, not the ghost 78 that everybody knows today. We'll get to that in a different episode, but the original ghost, which was a start of a retool of the nemesis master that I own. Um, and then, you know, so the, the way I looked at it was, I'm like, well, I did that. People liked it. Let me see what I can do with a Kirk, you know, and I got into it, realized it was a lot harder because I still didn't know a whole lot at the time. And then my wife had all the complications and everything and Jacob's birth and all that. And it just got to a point where I'm like, I don't have the time to finish this thing. I don't have, I, I don't have the time. I don't have. I don't have the expertise or the experience at this point. And, you know, there's a saying, you got to know when to hold them and you got to know when to fold them. So I said, I'm not the guy at this time to take this project for what it needs to be. So I called Brian Owens, who was the portrait sculptor. And I said, Hey, are you still interested in working with me? And he said, yeah. So we met, went over the, went over the, uh, went over the scope of the project and, you know, he worked on it. Um, and it turned out okay, you know, but for the way the project had been built up over that course of time, people were expecting more. And honestly, for what I was paying them, I was expecting more. So um, it wasn't it wasn't a bad sculpt. There was only two copies, but it wasn't screen accurate. I mean, it, it made a great Myers. I mean, it like there's been a, like the two copies that are out there. Yeah, they were flawed test pulls, blah, blah, blah. But as far as the look when they were in Myers, it wasn't bad. It really wasn't bad. But uh, it just wasn't what I wanted it to be. I wanted that to be my definitive Kirk, and we, we had strayed so far away from the base of the 98-99 that I was like, the, the importance was was to change it enough that it was okay that we weren't going to piss anybody off but stay true enough to that and just make it a little bit more accurate well neither neither of those things happened so i shelved the project i didn't know what i was going to do with it for several months and just before marcus i i when i say quit it that sounds terrible because he didn't quit he was at a point in his life where he was wanting he didn't want to work part-time for peanuts he wanted to i mean he was having fun and he was making a little money but he was looking at he was real serious with somebody at the time he was looking at uh taking the next chapter in his life and proposing and starting a family all that stuff so he wanted to go make a career but right before he left he said hey man I'm just going to let you know this. He said, you, you know that we've worked together for a couple of years and you know that I shoot straight with you. He said, I think the Genesis is a cool mass. He goes, hell, I own one. He said, but if it were me and if you had the time, 
if I were you, I would re-pour that 98.99 and start over. That was his last parting words, and I was like, oh, man, I'll, I'll give it some thought. you know." And then the more I thought about it, I was like, hmm, maybe he had a point. So my son got really sick in 2014, and really when that happened and that news came is when I took Marcus up on his advice and I started over. And because I wasn't working on masks at the time, all I was thinking about was the upcoming surgical procedure. Um, it was driving me insane, but I knew I couldn't work on any customer projects. So I was like, well, I got to do something creative. I got to do something to just not sit in the house all day and drive myself nuts. So starting the V2, I went back to the base of the 9899 and started over. And that version came out a little better. Um, it could have been better if it didn't have such a negative stigma attached to it. And what I mean by that is like just as soon as I got that that uh, sculpture done, that, that V2 done, I carved my son's initials in the crown of the head. And on the V3, you can still see remnants of it. Uh, ask Bill Blake, he'll tell you. It's still up there uh, where he had his first surgery in the same spot. And I carved his initials and I put two hearts on there. Um, and I basically dedicated that mass to him. This is at the same time when everybody started to just turn on me and hit me. I don't want to go on an hour rant. Uh, people, people think all I do is cry. But... Um, when everybody started attacking me and getting personal and all that stuff, um, every time I looked at that mask, I saw people attacking my family. I saw people attacking me. I saw WMP disintegrate before my very eyes. Every time I looked at that master, I could not do anything with that mask at that point. Um, so what I did was, is a, after I had some time, Separated, I had all this time and energy and money wrapped up into this Genesis project um, that exactly a year to the day, almost, within like four or five days, which was in August of 14, I uh, Amy reached out and, you know, we had a really good long talk. And she said, you know, I know you're not doing much anymore, but if you ever need my help on something... Um, and you want to do something, let me know. And th at this point, I had started my, my seasonal photo job, and I was getting away. And I was like, you know, maybe it might not be such a bad thing to have her um, retool this V2 and start over from it. So I re-poured um, the V2 in into clay, took it to her. And she had it for two and a half months. And she she completely redid it and made it into the Genesis V3 that we all know today. Awesome. So that answers uh, Daniel Parker's questions of, you know, the differences between the three iterations. So the three was a retooled 2.0 was the... For clarity, was the 2.0 a retooled 1.0, or was it just completely starting over from the 98? Yeah, so to just, yeah, to, to clear that up, um, the 1.0 obviously came from a direct press of the 98.99. The V2 was the 98.99, and then the V3 was a retool of the V2. So, yeah. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So... You had another part of that question. I said, I'll, I'll get to that. Um, what was it again? So you say you, you bought the 98.99 Shatner from, directly from Don Post. Mm -hmm. But I see you know, roughly a half dozen other people that quote-unquote produced them. You know, were you the first? And if so, how yeah. did all these other people acquire them? Um, I could speculate. <laughs> on, on all that and I wouldn't be any better than anybody that attacks me better question so, then 
did you sell masters to anybody? I did not. Okay. Um, I do know that there was some production molds that were sold um, during that liquidation. I got the two piece. Uh, Wayne Wisenant. Uh, I'm I'm I know I'm I'm butchering his last name, but that's the best way I can pronounce it. Um, I know he got a worn out uh, production mold, um, and he's even stated it several times um, that he wants to do something with it. He just doesn't know what. Um, but as far as like the, you know, a lot of people say, Hey, I just bought a 98 blank on eBay. Um, technically that's not a 98. It, it comes from the same source, but, um, that was a recasted enlargement, um, that is being sold by a different company. And I don't even know if it's a company anymore. I don't even know who it is, but, um, you know, yeah, he's been selling that for four or five years, billing it as a 98 because that's the more popular version. Um, but I do a 98-99 comparison um, episode, and I even did, on the old podcast, I even did a Throwback Thursday episode last year that is dedicated to that. So scroll back to season one, look for that Don Post 98-99 Shatner episode. But I'm, I'm kind of getting away from it here. Um, most versions, and I'm just going to be frank here, when I poured directly out of my mold, um, it's a solid 24 and a quarter inch mask. Most copies that you get of a 98.99, 99, whatever you want to call it, most of it, most of them are 22 inches. So if what's coming out of my mold is 24 and a quarter that means that the master to produce that mother mold or the sculpture to produce that mother mold has got to be 25 to 26 inches because latex shrinks so if somebody got a casting from that mold and then casted it again there's where you get your small 22 22 and a half 23 inch pull because it's a recast. So I'm not saying anyone is directly at fault here. I'm just letting you know what I know, um, that that's where a lot of these smaller castings could be coming from. Because, you know, I got people that asked me all the time that wanted to buy one. It's like, hey, man, you know, um, I know the 9899 is a small mask. I'm like, actually, it's not. You're, you're comparing what I have to recasts. So no, it's not a small mask, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there's been production molds. There's, there's been recast molds that's been sold. There's been recast, etc. Again, not calling anybody out, just saying, you know, what I know about it because I own the original mold. Gotcha. Alrighty. Chad Morphus has a question, and I would like to know the answer to this as well. Uh, when when uh, when you take it in the ash from Zachman, does he use syrup or KY? When I take it in the ass from Zachman? Yes. I don't take it in the ass from Zachman, so I'm going to say neither. Well, when, you, when he takes it from you, do you use syrup? Oh, syrup all day. What brand are you using? Aunt Jemima. <laughs> From the South, baby. <laughs> I always knew Zachman had a sweet tooth. Oh, he does. <laughs> skeet, skeet, motherfucker. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, I actually had a couple questions about the Genesis. Um... <laughs> fucking focus <laughs> Zach when this is what happens when you flake motherfucker you get roasted oh no his, his ass is sore that's he's icing down ah uh, so uh, you know the, the the v1 had a very short uh, had a very short life before the the, v, the, the, the 2.0 came out um, you know what happened yeah I'll ask this question later but what happened to the if anything what happened to the version one and two of that mask, you know, if those molds still exist anywhere, just smash them, throw away, just sell them. The V1, uh, if it ever, if it ever comes to fruition, if it, if not, I'll help them do it. 
um, because enough time, like there's been people that has asked me for them. Um, but I just don't have it now, but, uh, not sure how well you know him or know of him. Um, but I've taken several pictures with him. He was like my Myers model for a while. Uh, but Aaron Bass, um, he actually owns the Genesis V1 master. Um, he was originally just going to pour up blanks and maybe learn, learn how to convert and do stuff. And, um, he was going to do that, but he's all over the place with what's going on with his life. Now he may not have the time, but if I ever have the opportunity to make a mold from him, um, I'd probably entertain it. You know, I, I wouldn't never say never. Does anyone have 2.0, if not you? I'll tell you, short answer, no. Um, that mold was destroyed for reasons I said earlier. Could, ne- could never look at it again. Um, what I did save, though, is... Because when we got to the V3, or the 3.0, is I had... I said, Amy, leave remnants of his initials there, but don't make it obvious. Like, on the 2.0, it was very obvious. Um, I said, but don't make it as obvious. Just because it's, it's, it's a different mask, and, you know, from what happened, um, it's just going to leave a negative taste in my mouth. Because uh, by this point, everybody had attacked my son and attacked my, attacked my wife. So if I was going to move forward on the project, I couldn't really put myself back in that mindset. So, but... The remnants are still there, but uh, I took, before I destroyed the mold, I took a piece of resin, I poured up resin, and casted just the crown of the head, just so I could have that piece of it, so I can remember what I did, and when my son's old enough and he understands and he asks and he can see pictures of the documentation from start to finish of things that I said, um, things that I did and things that I did while he was sick, you know, and what daddy dedicated a mask to him, you know, that, that he sculpted, he gave me the inspiration to do it. So I felt like I needed to save something from it, but never a mask from it. And as if I don't know the answer, uh, but but who or 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 what individual or individuals have the 3.0 now? Uh, you're you're one of them, um, and Bill Blake. So, um, by the way, when's he going to do something with that? Do you know? Well, he's he's been teasing a little bit. I know he's. I believe he's poured a master and such. And I don't know if there's any test pulls, but I know he's had some stuff going on. So. Um, a few projects have had to take a momentary pause, but it is definitely in the works because I'm very anxious to, to see what he's going to, you know, how he's going to kick ass with that mold and the Kirks he's going to make with it and the, and the Myers he's going to make with it. But it is, it's on the horizon. Very cool. And how did you get involved? I mean, I, I never asked him. I just know that you said you were involved. How did that all come about? I'm now, now see, now I'm switching the question to you. You got to keep up with the format, asshole. We got a plan here. <laughs> but no, uh, uh, so we had knocked the idea back and forth a, uh, a number of times on going in with each other on, you know, buying masters because I, I, you know, I've been ever since I knew that Bill had acquired the HTK, I immediately messaged him because I really wanted one, even even when Chris Vandenkamp owned the ma- the the sculpt because he created it. I wanted to have the matching set to to my Nick, and it was the Dick at the time. Now it's the HDK. Um, so that's how I, I met Bill, and I immediately saw his talent and his ability to do pretty much any mask. So you know, uh, right after he bought the Fright mask, you know, he had kind of tapped out for the time being. The Malevolence, which is a, a four sculpt, was kind of you know was up for grabs, and I was thinking, kind of like how you and Rick went and went the DIY. I was like, well, let me help you with this. You know, I'll be you know, an investor, so to speak, because I definitely don't have any talent for painting or producing latex. Um, I'll just invest with you so you can acquire it, eventually buy me out, whatnot. So when it came time for him to acquire the 
the Genesis, you know, he came to me and said, hey, Chris is selling the V75. He's selling the Genesis. Which do you think I should get? Would you be interested in being a part of this? So, you know, after comparing the two, when you know what I thought, I told him, yeah, I think the the 3.0 Genesis is a, is a good one to get. Not that the 75 isn't a good mass, but I just thought, you know, the Genesis called out to me, and he said, you know, I don't necessarily need you to be involved, but I thought, well, you know, it'll give you him some more funds for, um, you know, materials and, and, and you know, a little more of a cushion and things like that. Um, so I'm a 20% older owner of the Genesis 3.0. Um, after a little bit of produ- uh, production, a little bit of a deal, me and him worked out. Um, he's going to buy me out eventually, and he'll be the sole producer um, under the Devil's Reign FX banner. It will be a, a, a full production under him. Well, that's awesome, man. Um, it definitely makes things easier, and to be honest, I was um, I had mixed emotions about selling both of those masters. Um and money is always nice, but that's not the reason I do it. Um, it's nice to have side cash to to go do things with or reinvest with your business and and have a hobby where you can have things. But you know, as I just covered, man, over the last half hour, that was a very personal project for me. So to be able to give up one of those masters to someone it was hard um and at first uh you know i i find like bill wasn't the first person to reach out and ask about it you know there was several people that wanted that master that um I didn't know if, and, and I'm not going to name names and I'm not singling anybody out by saying this so I want to be careful but I felt comfortable selling it to Bill just after getting to to know him. Um, I know he's a good guy, and I knew that he would take really good care of it. And that was important to me. I didn't want to see it go to somebody and it just become... I don't even know how to say it without offending people who reached out, but... I'll just say I I wanted to be sure that it ended up in good hands and that it was going to be produced correctly and that people were going to look at that with the same level of appreciation as I did. Um, I know that's pretty much impossible since I was so it was so personal to me, but at least I wanted someone to appreciate it enough to say, hey, I'm going to honor this. I love this mask. I have it now. I'm going to take good care of it and make sure that the legacy of it is not tarnished and i'll say bill is definitely one of those just you know one in a thousand super genuine dudes never had a crossword with him he's just such a a fucking straight up honest guy and for those who don't get to see the behind the scenes things that others get to see i'm sure you've seen it too he's very meticulous like he tolerates perfection and nothing else so i mean he's like you know paul especially with the hdk because that was one of the first latex things he produced just the 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 scrutiny he put himself under to get that mold right and to make sure all the blanks were solid you know he doesn't put out subpar work because he you know he wants everything so you know he's treating that mold like every other mold he's had be it the fright mask or, or what have you with the utmost respect that it deserves, and I know he will take it to its absolute limits with his with his talents that are you know growing every day. He's a he's a great guy, man. And um, if if anybody wants to know what this guy's about, just go back to season one when Dylan had him on the show and listen to that. It was pro- that was probably one of my favorite episodes of season one. Um, is I liked, and that's where I, I mean, I had been talking to Bill for, you know, off and on for a while, but it's different when you're messaging with people than when you actually sit down and actually physically have a conversation, either face-to-face or by phone. You get to get a feel for, for them as people at that point. And listening to the interview that you did with them, it was, wow, this guy sounds so genuine, so humble, and that's one of the reasons uh, Rick and I get along so well, is he's the same way. 
And that's the reason Matt and I get along so well. He's the same way. Um, so it was one of those things where after that interview, I really wanted to take more time and get to know him more on a personal level. And I'm really glad that that episode brought out the best light in Bill that it did because it did give us a chance to get to know each other on a personal man to man, father to father, you know, family man, you know, outside of masks. And, you know, he and I will shoot each other texts here and there. Um, you know, when I was away for those eight weeks, um, you know, he and I texted, we, we, we traded text. And, um, when we saw an opportunity to, um, you know, add a mod, you know, on one of the groups I'm, I'm part of is I suggested Bill. I said, Bill would be a great addition. Um, there's two or three other guys, you and Brandon included. I said that I would throw in there. I said, but Brandon's got his plate full. Um, we hit the reset button. Um, Dylan's got his own thing going on. Let's try something different. Somebody who's never had an opportunity. And so that we're just not recycling from group to group mods and administrators over and over and over again. And it looks like the good old boys network. So, I wanted to bring Bill into the picture and I really threw his name out. I asked if he was interested. He said, yeah, and he's been a spectacular mod. And you talk about that meticulous care that he has for his work. He's like that in every layer from his, from his friendship to his, the way he mods a, a page, you know, he's the same way, very level headed guy. Um, one of the best. And to be honest with you, I, I'm very fortunate that the Genesis ended up in his hands. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, I, you know, I've seen him in the group, you know, keeping bullshit to, you know, not even a minimum to to zero. He tolerates nothing. Um, you know, keeping it running like a smooth ship the way, you know, anyone should run a Facebook group. Agreed. Agreed. And to be honest with you, um, I got a piece from him. You mentioned the HTK. Um, you see me post pictures of it, I'm sure. Um, very, very, very solid work. So if anybody's looking to grab grab something, um, hit them up. You will not be disappointed. Couldn't agree more. Um, in regards to the Genesis, one final question that um, let's see who hell it might have been me. Um, I don't do reach around. Sorry. Damn it. Oh yeah, this was for me. Um, has the Genesis been used, you know, or or do any sculpts that exist now originate from the Genesis? No. Alrighty. Well, that looks like it about wraps up the questions in regards because um, I saw that Chad had posted a picture of a a Genesis Dunkirk style that he owns. When this episode drops on the page, and I think this might be a good idea going forward since we don't want to be like a post-heavy group with pictures and such. Since we're going to be doing these episode catalogs, I'd like to see if this is uh, okay with you. When this episode drops, I want to see in the comments people posting their Genesis's. Yeah, that would be great. Um, I don't see a reason why not. I still have a lot of pictures um, from ones I've done that I can drop in there as well. Um, yeah, I don't see an issue with that. I think that's a f fantastic idea. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for today. You got any other uh, news for the people? Um, I can't think of any, um, but I, I have a question for you. Um, when, when can we expect the first cutting room floor of the 2020 season two season? Well, if all goes according to plan, you know, see, we're recording this currently on January 4th. So this is Saturday. So this coming Monday, uh, from when we're recording this, ideally I will be recording with Paul Fitzgerald and it's going to be the first, um, collector spotlight of the year and everyone who's ever seen you know he takes amazing photos and he's got an outstanding collection so i'm i'm super excited to have him be the first guest of season two he needs to get himself a new h6 though the one he has is terrible i know it's just the worst piece of fucking flaming dog shit i've ever seen who wants a reigning reddit these days i know all he has to do is just send it back i'll, I'll be sure to take it off his hands at least he photographs it well you know the photoshop 
<laughs> of course. I mean, that's the only way it looks good. Because that's what WMP you know stands for: white masks on Photoshop. That exactly. I mean, it's like you couldn't get a more true depiction, you know, of of what I do. Uh, but no, man, you can you can ask Bitterman, Michael Bitterman, um, who's a listener and uh, of the show, and he's become a good friend. Um, <clears throat> ask him. You know, it's like he doesn't use any editing stuff. I sent him several links, tutorials on like when he just had an iPhone that he was taking pictures with. And I'm like, dude, there's so many tutorials out there that you don't have to have a thousand dollar camera to go out and take decent photographs. A lot of, a lot of times it comes into stuffing your background and how you expose it. And, you know, uh, that's the one thing I can honestly say is I know a lot of people are like, man, you always comment on Hunter Hood's pictures, you know, putting your work over. I'm not putting my work over. I'm putting, putting his photography over. Exactly, because here's <laughs> the thing. There's the the making and the collecting side of the hobby is twofold. Number one is, yeah, you got to make a nice mask or you got to ni- make a nice piece of art. But the second step to that is the photography. You know, the 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 person that gets it has to show off the work that went into that, that makes it that piece. Because how many times have you seen someone stand two feet away from the mask, flip their flash up and blow out every detail in the mask. And they're like, man, this thing's fantastic. I don't take the best pictures. Well, yeah, turn the fucking flash off. You know, that's, that's, (laughs) that's number one. So it's like, you know, yeah, I mean, you can say whatever you want about, you know, I shoot on a DSLR, whatever. But Michael Bitterman started getting really good with his photos um, based on the tutorials. And he was willing to learn and put in the work. And he did. And then for Christmas, his wife, uh, I guess I guess he had mentioned to her about what camera I had, the Nikon D3500. And I guess I, I, I'm, I'm just assuming that, you know, that. I had something to do with it, but if not, I'm not putting myself over. Maybe they had planned on it for a while, and that was the thing that pushed him over the top. But he got that for Christmas, and I sent him a, a few um, settings and different things on, on how to use it, a few other tutorials on it. And he, I mean, I'm not sure if you've seen him, but he just posted some of Rick's work and some of my work outside in the snow. And, man, he's got, I, I mean, I, could, I couldn't have taken a better photo. Oh no, he did great. And I was, and what I'll say is this: if people want to say all Chris does is put his work over, uh, you can ask Paul Fitzgerald uh, and, and, and myself. We went back and forth with a raining red photo contest, which Chris completely stayed out of. I guess because you know we were posting so many that he was tired of seeing them. And nope. Uh, and uh, he posted his SS78 that you'd done for him, and he was fucking paranoid that you hated him because you weren't commenting on it. So don't think that Aunt Chris just looks on on Facebook to beat his own meat. And, you know, Hunter just takes superb pictures. But yeah, Michael did uh, take very good Michael in the snow pictures. I thought those came out very well. And anyone can go listen to the tutorial Chris did, you know, on season one about you know just things you can do with your smartphone that you can take better pictures with i've certainly listened to them i think mine mine have been coming out better and it comes down to stuffing i know you would critique my raining red pictures tell me where to stuff it and where things were looking a little flat and i think it 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 helped tenfold yeah because i mean what a lot of people don't understand is they think oh well it's easy for the artist to put out pictures of his work and and make it look decent um but when the customer gets it we're going to see what it really looks like not always and you know i understand that photography is it's daunting for a lot of people i mean it was daunting for me when i learned and i had a film background so i understood exposure i understood setting i understood a lot of proper techniques but that was for moving pictures now you got to take all that knowledge and kind of undo it and reteach yourself um you know, the same, some of the similar aspects are there, you know, and in, in thought and principle, but in so many ways, there's so many, there's so many other variables to it. But what I wanted to do is let's, let's get, let's get rid of all the nonsense and all the jargon and all the things. There's three things that you need to learn from a technical standpoint. Number one is aperture. That's basically how far the lens opens. Okay. Second thing is shutter speed. That's how 
fast it closes or stays open. Third thing is ISO. ISO or ISO, whatever you want to call it. And that's how much light you're allowing to pass through and how how it gets how it registers into the sensor. The lower the or the lower the ISO, uh, the less noise you have. The higher the ISO, the more grain and noise you're going to have into it. And that's the look you want. Go for it. To me personally, I think that looks like shit. But if that's the look you're going for, by all means. But the that's from the technical side. I can't teach you how to have good composition. Hey, hell, sometimes I don't have the best things composed. But the biggest thing is you got to get your you got to get your your subjects away from the wall. Nothing makes a, a a piece of art looks flat and boring and shitty to look at than sticking that thing right up next to a wall and not separating it from the background. That's number one. That's not technical. That's just looking at composition. You know, if you pull that subject away from the wall and you're able to get depth now to that picture, you've already succeeded with number one. Number two, get it out of the fucking bathroom. I see so many things on the back of toilets or even outside <laughs> on someone's fucking garbage can or something. Come on, think about your surroundings. I don't want to see your fucking glade sitting in the background where you spray to get rid of your shit smell. Just <laughs> you think about where you, where you're putting it. Some people say, "Hey, I wish you would do more more photographs off of a tripod and not stick your mask on there." Well, you know, first of all, it's the best best I can do because I'm moving all the time. But I at least try to change up my backgrounds and move the thing around different areas and find different ways I can make it interesting. Because when you make things for people, I mean, there's only so many Ghost 78s that you can see in a room, in the same room, and you go, okay, fuck it. I, I get it already. I, I see that this hair sprayed, the other one was brown. I see that this one's a little heavier weather and this one's more plain. You know, just try to think creatively about what you like and try to mimic that. And if always ask questions, I mean, and I've put it out there many times. If you have any questions about how to stuff or about how to um, about what you should do or or if a picture looks good or what can you do to improve it? I'm always down to talk that stuff. I mean, that's that stuff's fun for me. I mean, just yes. just ask just ask Michael Bitterman. You know, we we went back and forth for days. Absolutely, and I can't wait to see those Genesis pictures. Everyone's going to leave in the comments. Anything else you got, or we done? Nope, I think that about covers it for this week. Thanks for listening to Halloween Unleashed, featuring the cutting room floor. Be sure to follow us at anchor.fm slash Halloween Unleashed and on our official Facebook page at facebook.com slash groups slash Halloween Unleashed. For all video versions of the cutting room floor, please visit youtube.com slash user slash DylanCloud97 and subscribe. Be sure to share our episodes on social media and we'll be back next week with an all new episode. 